Paratruth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Since the fall of man, a war has raged between good and evil. Over the centuries, this war has distorted the truth. Now the truth is perceived as lies, and lies acknowledged as truth. To this day, the battle continues as we investigate and debate the truth behind the history and mystery of the universe. We are Paratruth Radio. Ghost stories are fun to share, but they're even spookier around a campfire. Of course, the only thing that can make them even more terrifying is when the stories are true. Now Paratruth presents Around the Campfire with special guest Jim Harold. What's up, folks? Welcome to a brand new episode of Paratruth Radio on the Paratruth Radio Network. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. And we have another brand new show for you this evening. I hope you guys are ready and looking forward to it. It's been an entire week since the last episode. Uh, I've there's, there's been a few people that I know who've been uh, downloading the the uh, iHeart app and listening to our show via iHeart, which is pretty cool. Uh, more people are starting to find us and tune in and check out all this, the uh, most recent shows and all the past shows as well. Uh, pretty cool thing. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> <sighs> well. <laughs> Got to get that stretch in to get ready. <laughs> Always, always have to get the stretch in before before bringing ghost up, uh, ghost on. <laughs> if we're bringing, if we're bringing ghosts on, on then uh, this is a completely different show. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you know what? It's all right. Let's see here. <clears throat> I'm gonna move that up. Sorry, my camera's off a little bit. It's bothering me. Okay, so folks, um, we're gonna just kind of jump into it. It's 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 a busy week this week for me and. Uh, I'm running a one hour of sleep right now, so we're going to go ahead and jump into this, if that's all right with you, Justin. Yep, sounds good. All right. Uh, today we have on a very special guest. His name is Jim Harold, and uh, he wrote the book called True Ghost Stories, Jim Harold's Campfire Volume 5. Now, there are five volumes to this particular uh, book, and I'm sure he'll bring it up uh, sometime during the show, but... Th- in order to read them, you, you actually don't have to read them in sequential order. They're, they they don't follow each other, so they're standalone books. So you can pick them up anywhere, at any volume, and you'll be good to go. But uh, obviously, don't pick them up until you listen to the show here tonight, because you're gonna want to hear more about the story. You know, we we don't want to push you guys to you know go buy something and then not like it. Not that you won't like this. I think you guys will like it. I wa- I read a few stories already, and uh, I think what's really cool about these stories, uh, you know, like growing up. I've read a lot of ghost stories. Uh, Goosebumps, you know, is, is one of the most uh, popular of fictional books. Yeah. But this one is all based on true stories or these volumes. So it's really cool. I read a couple of them. They're a little creepy. 
some of them are fun, but nonetheless, we're going to go ahead and jump straight to the line with Jim Harold. Hey, Jim, welcome to Paratruth Radio. It's good to have you aboard. Thank you, guys. So good to be here. I really enjoy being on different shows. So when I got the invite, I'm like, absolutely. So thank you so much. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. No, it's great to, to meet new people who have common interests. I mean, there's so much interest around this subject, and I think it's always great to have new people coming in and podcasting and talking about it and sharing ideas and maybe coming up with some new ones about what's behind all this stuff. Oh, yeah. Completely agree with that. Now, what I want to do real quick uh, before we actually jump into the book here is I want to give you a moment, Jim, to tell everybody a little bit about yourself, what your background is, uh, and just the different style of books that you've been writing. Sure. I am first and foremost a paranormal podcaster. I've been paranormal, uh, paranormal podcasting since 2005. Started off with a show called The Paranormal Podcast where I interview authors and experts and that kind of thing. And that's been going ever since then. So we're on our 11th year, I guess. And then uh, in 2009, I started another podcast, another free podcast called uh, Jim Harold's Campfire, and that's basically what sounds like people call in from all around the world and they share their true stories of the supernatural. I also do a bunch of paid shows, but I, I won't get into those because, to be honest, I want people to just check out the free stuff and see if they like that, and there's plenty to listen to over at JimHerald.com. And then as an offshoot of my Campfire show, uh, in 2011, I started writing books, uh, basically compilations of the best stories, and so far we've done five of them. Each book has about 70 true stories or stories that people have presented as true on the programs and uh, a lot of ghost stories. But we also have things like shadow people and cryptids and UFOs and Ouija boards and head scratchers. So it's a nice mix and it's a lot of fun and just came out with the fifth book, Jim Harold's, uh, excuse me, True Ghost Stories, Jim Harold's Campfire 5. And that's available now and it's doing pretty well. Awesome. So, doing research for the book, did you get these stories from the the Campfire podcast? Did you do more research into other stories? How did you come across these different... No, these are all from the Campfire podcast. And what I kind of focus on, if anybody's ever listened to the the Campfire podcast, we don't try to make it spookier by adding music or trying to get people to change their stories. It's just basically... Basically, I kind of just say, what happened to you? And I kind of sit back. Now, occasionally I'll interject a question here and there, but I try not to influence. And the books have the same spirit. You know, basically these are the stories as told on the shows. Of course, we transcribe the stories and we edit them a little bit to, to make them flow. But we don't add or subtract any facts. The facts are the facts, and that's what we uh, that's what we share with folks. So these are directly from the show. Now, people will say, yeah, do you research these to verify that they're true? And when I say true ghost stories, these are stories that people have uh, have presented is true on the programs. Now, I, you know, I don't independently investigate them, so I couldn't swear 100% that they're true, but I will say this, is that I do try to focus on the stories that I think are the most interesting, but also the ones where the tellers seemed very sincere. And I will say this, I believe in the vast majority of cases, people are sincere, they believe the stories are true, they tell me the stories. Now, are they all Something supernatural? Might there be some explanations in some cases that are not supernatural? Of course. But there are some stories that are kind of like, 
This has got to be supernatural. <laughs> if it's true, it's got to be supernatural because there is no logical explanation. So right. that's kind of what I do and what the books are all about. Cool. Now, I've got a question in regards to uh, publishing these stories. Now, obviously, these people come on to your show and they, they tell you their stories. Now, when you go to publish them, do you actually have to contact the you know the person who had told you the story right. and ask them or do you just yeah. kind of go ahead and do it because i notice you know the, the name you know you don't have full names here we're, we're going by first name basis right. in uh, these stories so now we actually make it very clear the way the the mechanics of it work is uh, people there's a sign up sheet and i have certain times of the week that i take calls so people have to sign up first and on that sheet it basically says you know if you come on the show and you agree to it and you check this box your story may be used uh, in a book or other derivations because we want to be really upfront with people. We don't want a situation where somebody's story ends up in a book and you're like, I never agreed to that. So we just kind of say if you're on the show – you basically, to get on the show, you have to agree to that just because we don't want to have any misunderstanding and we mm-hmm. want to be very transparent with people. And if somebody doesn't want that, that's totally fine. They don't need to be on the show and I totally understand where they're coming from. But universally, uh, because for example, one thing I do is after we have people on the show, I email everybody who's in the book and say, hey, I'd like to send you a free copy of the book. And I've never had one person complain. <laughs> Everybody's like, oh, I'm in the book. I'm on the book. It's cool. So, I mean, I think that's because, you know, up front that expectation is sent. And I, I think people are good about things like that if they know going in what the deal is. Mm-hmm. Well, and I commend you for doing that because there, I mean, there are some pretty shady people out there that will put people in books without even asking their permission. So it's kind Would of. not do that. Would right. not do that. <laughs> Just from listening to your show, I've come to l- learn that uh, you're a little more commendable than some people are. So, well, thank you. <laughs> so, I tried. To- yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what kind of got you started with the, the paranormal podcast? I mean, obviously, interest in the paranormal, but was there something that set you in uh, interest in the paranormal? Because, I mean, we have our own story that actually got us started, so it's interesting to hear other people's stories. Well, kind of the confluence of it was a couple of different things, but it uh, there were a couple great family ghost stories that I grew up with. One was actually a UFO story. One was a ghost story. And they were great. My dad was at the center of both of those. So I'd heard these. And my dad, now, you had mentioned you guys are from Cleveland. You know, Cleveland used to be a big steel town. Right, and my right. dad was a steel worker. So he wasn't like somebody trying to figure out his chakras or, you know, uh, sleeping with a pyramid under his bed. Pretty salt of the earth, <laughs> straight, straight ahead guy. And uh, he had a couple of stories he swore to and there were other family members with him. Uh, who swore to them as well. So I think that somehow uh, got me into it. Then uh, I grew up as a little kid, you know, in elementary school and things in the 70s, and um, in search of with Leonard Nimoy. Oh, I love yeah. that show. In fact, I'm looking right here. I've got a uh, got a the the DVD box set of the whole, the whole series. <laughs> Fantastic, and it's kind of campy. You look back, but still some good information. And actually, what's cool is I look at that set now, and I'll see like, oh, I've interviewed him, and I've interviewed her, and I've interviewed him, even though it's a it's a long time ago. But we've had an opportunity to interview some of these folks. So uh, really. Uh, Quite fascinating. It's been quite fascinating. And uh, so anyway, fast forward to 2005, and I mentioned to you guys off air, I was kind of a frustrated broadcaster. I'd gone to school to be uh, on air, 
and uh, it just didn't happen. You know, it didn't uh, uh, because I started working uh, in, in radio, but I worked on the business side. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I look up after, you know, 12, 13 years. I've got a wife, two kids, a mortgage, the whole thing. It's like, I don't think I'm going to be uh, quitting all this to go to a TV job in Montana. Right. Uh <laughs> Uh, but I still felt that I had something to offer on the, the broadcasting side. And, and I said, well, I'll start a podcast. And I started thinking, well, what in the world am I going to start a podcast about? And I'm like, well, what are things I'm really interested in? Well, sports, I can't add anything there. Music, you can't do because of rights issues. Politics, everybody's done it to death. You know what I would like to hear? A really good podcast on the paranormal. And I looked around, and I mean, this is, I don't think... There were some people podcasting on the internet. I don't think any of those people are still around, and there wasn't any like real high quality shows at the time that I can recall. And I'm like, well, I think a good, solid, straight ahead interview show about these subjects uh, would be a lot of fun to do. Maybe three people listen to it, but it would be a lot of fun to do. <laughs> so I start doing it, and it's fine because. And this kind of speaks to like life and, and, and this even gets into like the metaphysical, how things maybe happen for a reason. Uh, I had uh, done the show on and off for about three years, you know, and, and it, you know, I was very busy and I'd gotten like a middle management job and, 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 uh, and, uh, anyway, so I got fired from that job. The only first and only time I ever got fired. Uh, not because I did anything wrong, but I think uh, some folks had some unrealistic <laughs> expectations. But but nevertheless, it happens to, to most people these days. Um, and it kind of changed me. I went and got another job with a big uh, uh, three-letter network, um, and I was working on the digital side uh, for them. And I thought, that's going to be my big job. And uh, a few months into it, I'm like, this is a good job, but it's not the job. This is not what I'm meant to do, and it's just another corporation and so forth and so on. I was sitting at my daughter's t-ball game, and I was listening to Dan Carlin, who is a great podcaster. He does a history podcast, and he's fantastic, and he had sponsors and, and all of this stuff. And I'm like... And, and I kind of been stumbling around with the paranormal podcast, doing a show, not putting a show out for three months. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, I'm beating my head against the wall at my job, my new job, and I can see it's going to be more of the same. And people are begging me for new episodes of this show. Why don't I really attack it and get with it? Since then, I've barely missed a week, <laughs> you know, right. of one podcast or another since 2008 and uh, start dedicating myself to it, and people have just been great. They listen, and uh, th- that's a, that's a little bit of my story. But but the truth is, is that the the interest in the paranormal uh, was real. It wasn't just oh, this is a hot thing. I had nothing to do with it because it wasn't as hot as it is now, and it was just something I was really interested in. But I didn't. You know, I'm not a huge fan of the ghost TV shows, not a huge fan. I mean, some of them are okay, right. and certainly yeah. I interview people from them, but a little of the sensationalist aspect. I want more serious discussion, and I said, you know, maybe nobody will listen to it, but at least I'll learn something, and uh, it worked out. I think that's kind of yeah. how we got started with it, too. I mean, we had, for like a year or two after uh, my divorce, I came up back up to Ohio, and... Uh, Eric and I would sit and have a beer and we'd talk vampires, werewolves, and I'm like, 
dude, we right. should do a show about this. <laughs> we should, right, absolutely. We should be doing something about this. <laughs> and, you know, when we first started, same thing. We had maybe two or three listeners, uh, but we were just starting. We were doing research, learning new things, and... Later on, you know, him and I split up for a little while doing our own separate shows and came back together with Paratruth Radio, and it's been a heck of a ride so far, two years doing Paratruth Radio. But we started in 2009, and it's amazing how big Paranormal has still become since then. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because when I started, Mm -hmm. it used to be this thing you guys will probably remember. It was called Podcast Alley. And uh, it was like before the iTunes directory and everything, and that was like the one place right. where you could go and find podcasts. I think there were about 15 or 20 paranormal podcasts. Again, I don't think they were tremendous quality. This is back in 2005. But I'm like, oh, my gosh, how am I going to compete against 20 shows? <laughs> now there's more like 20,000 right. shows. Right. Uh, but today, but today, but today, my shows were on um, the front page of iTunes, the the total front page of the podcast section. So I think we're holding our own, and the shows continue to grow. Um, and just uh, found out I was listening to uh, some stats, and it turns out the shows are apparently in the top two percent of all podcasts in terms of downloads so that's pretty exciting so i think people are listening and i'm going to keep pushing and uh hope that we can grow the audience even more absolutely yeah. well, congratulations yeah thank you uh now here's something that is, is kind of bugging me so it's awesome that some of these stories here in this book are true the one thing that's a little disappointing is that some of these stories don't have any closure to them. They just kind of well, there's a reason off. for that. There's a okay. reason for that because right. it's real. It's real life. It's not. It's a, real it's, life. Exactly. Yeah. That's so, that's kind of that's well. I'll say this and then then, then yeah. finish. But my point is this: is that we don't gin up the stories and we don't add things to them to make them more cinema-like. And I think life, if you look at it. Uh, I mean, I know in my life I have a lot of loose ends. You know, things mm-hmm. I didn't get closure. Maybe it was like a girlfriend in high school, you know, right. <laughs> you know, whatever it might be. And I think it reflects real life. And I also think that some of, because some of the stories are subtle. Some of them are super dramatic, but some of them are very subtle. And I think that's kind of the way the paranormal really is in real life. I don't think it's always like a full body apparition, like walking up to you and like hitting right. you in the head with a hammer. Uh, sometimes it's a song on the radio. Other times, uh, you know, you'll see a black-eyed girl knocking on your door. Right. You know, I think it can be dramatic, but it not, isn't always. But I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just wanted to kind of get that out there. <laughs> oh, no, you're fine. I mean, I think it's great. I think it's awesome that, you know, it, you're keeping you're, – you're being real to the actual story. You know, you're not transcending it in some way. But – do you ever listen to some of your listeners who are calling in tell you these stories and then waiting for like the big moment and then they're just like and that's all and then you get just a slightly <laughs> disappointed like oh, I, I was hoping. Well, yeah, sure. I even I even ask sometimes and they're yeah. like, oh no, I don't know what what happened. I left. I never checked into it. And it's like, why not? <laughs> yeah. Well, I was I was reading the uh, I just read the story uh, titled "The Man with the Medallion." Yes. And so, you know, I'm reading through it. And I'm like, oh, this is this is interesting. This is really interesting. Wait, wait, no. Where's it going? No, no, stop. No. Oh, man. They never. Yeah. Well, 
What's happening? <laughs> you know? yeah, and, uh, but uh, the truth is, I mean, think about people, and I'm not talking about paranormal people because, you know, air, paranormal people, something happens to them, they'll get an EMF meter and a video camera and the whole thing and, and go investigate. But an average person, when your family tells you a ghost story, you know, your grandfather, it's not like, well, then I got out the EMF meter and I, you know, it's kind of the way these stories go. I mean, that's right. the way that they're told and, and this is real life. I think it is, to me, it's like to make you, it also makes you think. It makes mm-hmm. you think, well, what could have been the resolution? What could have been the causes? And the, one of the things I think I've learned the most out of all of these things of doing this for all these years is I used to think of this stuff in very kind of black and white terms, very simple. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, ghosts were dead people. Uh, you know, UFOs were little green men and Bigfoot is an animal if he exists at all. And now it's like, well, is Bigfoot really an animal or could he be an interdimensional traveler? Or are ghosts dead people or are they just some kind of residue, some kind of imprint? For example, I've had Lloyd Auerbach on the show, whom I'm sure you guys are familiar with. One of the smartest people on all of the stuff that I can possibly think about. He tells a story about a house where a murder kept replaying. But the problem was the murderer, the murderer was not dead. Hmm. He was like on death row. So are ghosts always dead people or UFOs? You know, I used to think, oh, little green men, kind of the Stanton Friedman uh, approach right. to everything, right. uh, who is a great guest. He's been on a couple of times and just honored to talk to him. But that's kind of that approach. But now more and more people are thinking, are they interdimensional? Are they something else? You know, uh, are they spiritual in any way? And, and when you, it really gets weird when you think about something like Pennsylvania where you have – UFOs showing up when people see Bigfoot. Stan Gordon's done a lot of work on that. So I guess what I'm saying is is that, I mean, kind of the way we're taught to look at this stuff by media and everything, it's very simple and it's straightforward. And after doing this for 11 years, I don't think it's simple or straightforward at all. I think it's real, but I don't think the answers are easy. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, folks, we're going to go to our first break here. You've been listening to Paratruth Radio right here on the Paratruth Radio Network. We're talking to Jim Harold about his book, the True Ghost Stories, Jim Harold's Campfire 5. We will be right back after Eric's Random Fact of the Day. Now, Eric's Random Fact of the Day. Did you know that naked mole rats have a high resistance to cancer tumors? According to Factsides.com, naked mole rats have a high resistance to cancer tumors because they produce an extremely high molecular mass known as hyaluronin and have ribosomes that produce extremely error-free proteins. I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Exactly 
I think that was good enough. I, I hope so, man. I'm tired. <laughs> Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I, I, I've never done it. <laughs> All right, folks. Welcome back to Paratruth Radio. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. And we've been talking to Jim Harold about his book, True Ghost Stories, Jim Harold's Campfire, Volume 5. And uh, something that you had said, Jim, just before the break is, you know, that uh, the the media plays these stories off as as simply resolved, where it's, it, as you said, it is not. And, you know, I'm a firm believer that mainstream media is kind of coerced. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not what people are supposed to be hearing it's what the man quote unquote wants us to hear and i'm glad that you have a show that brings even more truth i'm glad we have a show that brings even more truth because mainstream media is not the place to go to get more facts on these bizarre truths I agree with you, and I gotta tell you, I think, you know, I was talking about something like In Search of in the 70s, and it was, it's a little bit cheesy, but I, I thought that, you know, if you look back with the eyes of today and the production values and the old film and all that, but the truth was, I think at least they tried to look at it somewhat seriously. And then even later, Unsolved Mysteries, which I loved. Right, I loved yeah. uh, Robert Stack. Is there anybody better at <laughs> that? I mean, it was tremendous. But the thing was, is that at least it, they, and it's if you read about the producers of the the unsolved mysteries, they were all very skeptical of the paranormal. But it's the shows that got the best ratings. Right. But right. nevertheless, um, I think they tried to approach it somewhat seriously. Whereas now, I don't think you could make shows like that. Hardly. I don't think that uh, TV would allow it. And it's interesting. It's quite funny. I'm actually looking into heading up a, a streaming TV effort on one of the major services in terms of getting a getting a show on one of the major streaming services. Okay. Stay tuned. Uh, but it's the the plan is to do it in such a way that I own it uh, and that I control it because the truth is I've talked I've been approached several times by uh, TV people. And every time I got the same feeling that, A, if I got involved with them, it would essentially be uh, doing a deal with the devil and that they would control everything and they would control the tenor of it and probably it would be be more sensationalistic and be more this and be more that. And it's like, I, you know, I, this sounds really selfish, but I do things that I'm interested in. And I mean, I do subjects I'm not as interested in. I do a wide range because I want to serve everybody. Right. But I do the shows the way I want to do them. And there's a certain amount of people that seem to like that. And if other people don't like it, that's okay too. But I don't have to. The beauty of being an independent and you guys in the same way, being an independent producer, you can do things the way you want to do them. And, uh, you know, then it's up to people to, to judge if they want to watch or listen. But it's great. Right. Having this outlet, thank goodness for the internet. I hope nothing ever happens that shuts it down. Right. Uh, sometimes I worry, uh, but um, but it's just such a great, great, um, uh, great venue. That doesn't mean that we don't do it professionally. I mean, my goal with my shows is to make it sound like you're just listening to traditional radio, except not as many commercials. Right. Uh, <laughs> but I want it to sound like traditional radio. I want to have good audio quality. 
Uh, I want it to be solid. Uh, you know, I, I want it to be professional. But the content doesn't have to be dumbed down as much because uh, you don't have those corporate overlords saying, well, you know, if you took it down a half a notch, or your listenership would increase by 30%. I don't have to worry about that. Thank goodness. And the truth is, I, the more I think about it, because I've always thought, oh, I used to think, wouldn't it be great if you get picked up for a TV show or maybe maybe you get, uh, you know, an opportunity to host a, a big radio show or something right. like that. Right. And the more I think about it, I don't really care. Uh, uh, I'm doing shows. I have an audience. The audience is growing. And the fact is, is that we can talk about the subjects that inter- interest us in, in some depth rather than just kind of going for the lowest common denominator. Right. right. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny that uh, you brought up the people that don't like what you're doing. Well, Without the haters, you know, we're not doing our jobs right. as broadcasters if we don't have haters out there. Right, so. and honestly, you know, really, people have been pretty nice. Occasionally, I'll get the nasty review on iTunes or something like that, and mm-hmm. that's okay. Hey, you know, you put yourself out there, you've got to be willing to take some criticism. Right. So, that's fine. You know, uh, the good thing is, is that, you know, nine out of ten reviews are like five stars, and then occasionally you'll get a one star. Probably the truth is somewhere in the middle. I'm probably not consistently a five star, and I I certainly don't think I'm a one star. Uh, so, so the truth is probably somewhere in the middle, you know. <laughs> so, but, but so far, I mean, the audience has been great to me, and I thank them every opportunity I get because they allow me to do what I enjoy uh, for a living, and that's a pretty rare gift. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, now during our break just a few moments ago, uh, you had mentioned that you maybe want to share a couple stories with us, and we totally want to hear some of those stories. Uh, but we definitely want to hear the ones that are most interesting to you. Some of your favorite stories. Right. Well, this one is not in the new book. I believe it's in the okay. second book. Um, and, and the good thing about the books, you can read them in the any order, folks, so you don't have to worry about this. But this one's called The Roadhouse Saloon. And this is just off of the top of my memory. I don't have a poke okay. up in front of me. But this was T, her name is T.I. She was from Michigan. Now this is one that really, uh, you know how I said some of the ones were real subtle? (laughs) This wasn't subtle at all. Uh, this actually could be an episode of the Twilight Zone. Uh, (laughs) and believe it, believe it or not, it's up to you. Uh, in the words of Jack Palance, if you're old enough to remember that. But, uh, anyway, um, T.I. was with her friend Bob. They were in a rural area of Wisconsin. And they had gone to see a band, and it was like, you know, past 2 o'clock in the morning, they closed the place down. I guess they knew some members of the band, and they were chatting with them. And they were coming back home, and um, they were about an hour uh, from their destination. And it was dark, and it was rural. And all of a sudden, T.I. had to go to the restroom, which is never any fun in the middle of the woods. And uh, Bob says, well, I can always pull over here, and you can go by a bush. And she said, no, no, thank you. Uh, just drive fast. So anyway, you know, they went on a little while, and I kind of out of the blue uh, was this bar, and it was all lit up and neon signs and cars in the parking lot. And they thought, well, that's odd. It's past 2 o'clock in the morning, but let's not look a gift horse in the mouth. Let's get in there. <laughs> so uh, they stopped. T.I. went in and took care of uh, nature's call and came back out. Bob had gotten a couple of beers. And it was funny. When they came in, the people weren't really talking, but they were kind of almost like smiling strangely and beckoning him in. And they thought that was weird, but oh well. So anyway, they're sitting there and they have a couple of beers. And Bob mentions that um, 
that uh, there's a mural on the wall that is fairly well known by artists. He was an artist, and he was anxious to see it. And uh, anyway, they noticed that the people in the mural, and this was an Old West motif, the people in the bar were also in the mural. So there was like kind of this big burly guy with muscles and a strapped T-shirt who was standing behind the bar. But in the mural, there was a bar, and he was there. He was dressed in Old West uniform garb. Same with a couple guys down at the end of the bar. Then there were a couple of women. Similar placement. They were in the mural. They thought that was kind of weird. All of a sudden, there's an old, almost old-time jukebox, vinyl, records, if anybody remembers that. And some guy puts on Let's Twist Again by Chubby Checker. He walks up to T.I., and he smiles, and T.I. said, in these really rotten brown teeth, and asked her to dance. Now, T.I. happens to walk with a cane. So she held up her cane and kind of said to the guy, you know, I, I can't really dance. And uh, he kind of left off. Now, that'll come back, that, that little piece of the story. kind of adds to the overall weirdness for now. So anyway, they're sitting there thinking, boy, this place is just kind of weird. And they start looking at the mural more closely. And in the doors, there's like swinging doors. You know, in the old westerns, they would have these swinging doors. Mm. And they notice that... Mm-hmm. There seemed to be two shadowy figures in the doorway, and they hadn't noticed him before. And they look at a little longer, and it almost seems like it's like developing before their very eyes. And these these kind of misty figures are coming more into focus, almost like an old Polaroid picture. They're coming more into focus, and they're more into focus. And it's a man and a woman. And the man's tall. Bob's tall. The woman's shorter. T.I. is shorter. The woman has, in the the mural, has curly hair. T.I. has curly hair. The woman has boots and a cane. T.I. has boots and a cane. All of a sudden, Bob looks at T.I., T.I. looks at Bob, and they say, let's get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, they were developing into the mural. So anyway, they get ready to leave, and all of these people again... And they mentioned that they almost didn't act like they talked, they spoke English. They just kind of smiled blankly. In this case, they're like becking them back, like, why are you leaving? Why are you leaving? And they go. But the interesting thing, they close the door. The minute the door goes closed, the parking lot is deserted. All the lights are off on the bar. Everything neon sign like it was never open. They get the heck out. Okay. Now, here's a little bit of closure for you. T.I.'s a lot braver than I am. If I almost got uh, somehow uh, trapped in an interdimensional painting, I don't think I would have gone back. But she went back. She went with a friend. And granted, she went a little earlier in the evening, 7 or 8 o'clock in the evening, a couple of nights later. And she went back and she went in. Um, They noticed there was a jukebox. But it wasn't a vinyl jukebox, not with records. It was with CDs. No, by the way, no chubby checker at all can be found on a jukebox. Then there was a female bartender, a younger woman. And T.I. says, oh, I was in there here the other night, very late. Where's that big, handsome, burly bartender that was here? There's nobody who works here like this. There are two bartenders. There's me and my elderly father. 
And with that, T.I. and her friend left. <laughs> so what did T.I. and Bob run into? I don't know. I don't know. But I know that uh-huh. it is. it sounds just like a Twilight Zone or a night gallery or something like that. So that's probably the most elaborate story in seven years of doing the programs. And uh, it, that's a wild one. Now, a lot of people say, I'm not buying it. That sounds made up. That's your right. All I can say is I've spoken directly to T.I. about this twice, and both times she has seemed extremely, um, extremely sincere, and the details did not change one iota. Uh, take that for what it's worth, but I believe she encountered something, and that is probably the wildest campfire story ever. Hmm. It's definitely it weird. Yeah, that's yeah, sure. weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not every day that happens. That's actually the first I've heard a story like that, yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is that they're not all ghost stories. Some of them are like, uh, I put that in the category of head scratchers. Mm-hmm. Like ones that, like doppelgangers. I don't know if you guys have done a lot of work on doppelgangers, but there's a story in the, the current book, Campfire 5, where um, uh, a young girl, uh, and this was told by a friend of hers, his name's Luke from South Carolina, and there's this woman, and she lives with her mom. I mean, young lady, she's 18 years old. She was going to high school, senior in high school. And they would both get off uh, the job in school at about the same time, around 3.30. One day, the daughter would be home earlier. Next day, the mom would be home. This particular day, the mom was um, sitting in the living room waiting for her daughter to come through the front door from school. All of a sudden, she hears down the hallway her daughter's bedroom door open. Daughter storms out, uh, says some choice curse words, and says, you are the worst mom ever. I hope that you die. I wish that I'd never met you. Something along those lines. She storms off. She slams the bedroom door. And the mom is thinking, what's up with that? I have a great relationship with my daughter. But at the same instant that that door slams, the front door opens, and guess who walks in? Her daughter. Hmm. And the mom's like, what's going on? And she gets up and looks out the door just to see the school bus pull away. Now, this ostensibly happened at the same time, so they couldn't be the same person. So the person coming out of the bedroom... Mm -hmm. Was a doppelganger. Now, I do know Luke from South Carolina said that uh, he didn't have any further details, uh, but that they did shortly move after, out of the trailer. They just had a bad sense about the place. Interesting. Did you know that Abraham Lincoln mm-hmm. actually had a doppelganger? Yes, I had heard that. Yes, I had heard that. And sometimes I believe that's considered to be a sign of doom of some type. That's what it was actually was believed, especially back in his time, was he saw himself dying. He saw his doppelganger dying, so he took that as an omen of death. Yeah. It's, I, and that's the thing. This stuff is really weird. You know, you get into – we just did a show on the Paranormal Podcast. I did uh, Dave Schrader from Darkness Radio, who's fantastic – and he also does uh, fill-in on Coast to Coast AM from time to time and does a great job on that as well. We did a show on the Mandela Effect, and I'm assuming you guys are familiar with the Mandela Effect. Um, actually, yeah, I, I yeah. am. Um, and I was wanting to get him on to talk about it as well because uh, it's something that's really interesting. Like, And I've actually 
been seeing this more and more, like the Berenstein Bears. Well, yes. no, they're saying it's the Berenstain Bears. It's always been the Berenstain Bears. Berenstain Bears, Bears. exactly, right. exactly. And the Mandela effect <laughs> was taken in from the idea that people remember Nelson Mandela dying um, in prison, and then um, all of a sudden he's alive and he's the president of South Africa. I mean, he's passed since, of course. But I guess the point is is that people have all of these false memories, and it's not just one person. I mean, I don't know how many times you guys, I just had it with a celebrity the other day, and I'm usually pretty up on this stuff because I love the old-time celebrities and stuff. Mm-hmm. And someone was being interviewed on a podcast, I'm like, Oh, I thought she was dead, you know. Right. And, uh, so it's like, and then um, David mentioned Kirk Douglas, the great actor Kirk Douglas, and he said that I believe what Dave says he had a direct memory of him dying, a press conference, and all of these things. And it turned out that he's still alive. I don't think he's particularly healthy, but uh, he's still alive. Right. So I mean, yeah, it is really uh, a really fascinating thing, and I think that. Uh, I think it does hint at maybe there are parallel universes. And to be honest with you, that could explain a lot of this stuff. I mean, the thing is, one of the examples I use in the show is DNA. You know, DNA has existed since we've existed. But in 1900, you know, if if you would have said, uh, uh, mentioned DNA and explained to people the concept, we thought, oh, you're crazy. We can't see it. Well, that's some kind of voodoo. <laughs> well, the, the fact is, is that <laughs> <laughs> it existed. They just didn't have the tools and the techniques to find. Maybe a lot of this stuff is explicable scientifically, but it's the science. I think it may have been Arthur C. Clarke or somebody that said this. Might be the science of the 25th century. Yeah. It and hmm. being in the paranormal for as long as you have, as long as we have, it's you, you know we've had a lot of people ask or we ask them you know do you think there's ever going to be a time that we have true answers and some say yes some say you know no there's no way that we're going to do this but the more we advance in scientific technology it's possible but i mean in the long run we're talking about things beyond our normal understanding so will we all ever have a full understanding i don't think so but that's just my personal opinion. I actually agree with you, but I think we might come to some understandings. Right. You know, maybe there'll be something that'll give a little more of a hint of life after death, which I'm an absolute believer in. Uh, maybe we'll have a glimpse here and a glimpse there. I certainly think, you know, I'm 47, so I don't think in my life, even if I live to the, you know, 90 years old, uh, you know, I, I hope that's the case. But right. um, even if I live that long, I don't think in my lifetime. Um, that 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 all of this will be solved. Might we have a few more clues? Might we have some more information? Maybe. Now I've talked to other people like Lloyd Auerbach. I mentioned him again, but uh, he thinks that uh, we're going to have a lot of answers in the next several years uh, based on some of the work that's being done. So I guess uh, you know everybody has a right to their opinion, but I know people have been asking these questions since the dawn of time, and they've not gotten a lot of really good answers. I'm not sure that in the next 40 years that's going to change. But, of course, you know, if you watch 60 Minutes this last week, artificial intelligence is uh, making some great strides. Maybe that will be another thing that could be brought to bear to try to figure all this out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's interesting, though, because, like, even if we do get more clues over the next 20, 30, 40 years, and even though those clues may support certain 
theories that we've already had and help to support the evidence help support other evidence that we have as well. I think there's plenty of people in this world who will just simply deny oh, yeah. any facts that are put on the table. And so we still end up in the same boat that we are today because we have evidence of what would be life after death. And yet people just, you know, they're not as willing or quick to hold on to it and accept it. Uh, and so, you know, who knows? It could be exactly the way it is now, uh, 40 years from now, just with more evidence and, you know, Right. I don't know, but. Well, you know, thank goodness for science. We couldn't do what we're doing right now. I appreciate science, but I think that, you know, I, I think most believers, uh, whether it's in religion or it's this, this sort of thing, the paranormal, um, I think most of us are willing to say, you know, there is a lot of faith to this. There is a lot of belief involved. I mean, we don't have absolute proof. There are certainly things like NDE studies and work of Sam Parnia and different people that, that that support the idea, but I don't think we have stone cold proof that there's life after death. I mean, I think we certainly have a lot of indications. We have some evidence, but I think that believers, for the most part, are willing to say, you know, we don't know for sure. We believe right. it. Now, the quote science people speak in absolutes. You know, it's like, oh, there's no way this can be true. This is, right. and then, but the the thing that I laugh about is if you look at, over history. The amount of things that, quote, mainstream science said wasn't possible, couldn't be, you know, everything from the earth being flat, you know, and, and on. I mean, science has, again, done great things. Thank goodness for science. I mean, I was just reading the other day the average life expectancy to someone born in 1900 was 50 years old. Right. So hats off to science. But I do think that people who have the hardcore science point of view – I think that in many ways, uh, and I just did a great interview with him, not because of me, because of him, by a guy named Mark Mirabello about this. But I think science is never willing to say, oh, you know, we're not 100% sure. There's a possibility. Uh, they're all, we know the way it should be and the way it is, and that's the way it is, and you people are crazy. You know, and uh, I'm not saying all scientists are like that. I'm saying a lot of them are like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully there can be more of a meeting of minds as we go down um, go down the path because I think both sides could learn something from the other. Well, and I actually think that that is coming more and more true now because there are scientists who are saying there is scientific proof that there is a a god or higher power that is responsible for this compared to it was the big big bang and that was the end of it so it's kind of interesting to see that actual scientists are saying this is what's what's happening now we we are coming to the understanding that there is more to it than just the big bang theory yeah yeah absolutely and then my question about the big bang theory okay there was a big bang who caused it Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, okay. I, I'm perfectly willing to believe there was a Big Bang. Fine. Who caused it? Well, and, and the big, the big thing, the, the big argument I think is, is scientists are always saying, "Oh, the Big Bang theory, uh, the Big Bang started from absolutely nothing." Well, if there was absolutely nothing, then how can something possibly have just exploded into right. everything? You know. Right. So that yeah. <laughs> It's you flawed. Know, it's flawed. Yeah, I, I think it is. I think it is. I mean, somebody somebody made that Big Bang, and uh, might have been God. 
So right. <laughs> <laughs> might have been <laughs> good <Well>. chance. <laughs> the, and the one thing that you know we stride on on our particular show is Eric comes from a strictly Christian view, where I come from more of a mainstream view <clears throat> on a lot of the stuff. And sometimes we butt heads. Sometimes we completely one hundred percent agree. And it's fun to see what comes of it. And we always leave it up to our listeners. Be like. Right. You know, we've laid it out for you. We let you guys decide what, what you believe is true. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. You know, people will say, Jim, you're so even-handed. And, you know, even if something's wild, you know, you don't criticize the person or those things. And the truth is I might ask a question like something I often do if like a skeptical note hits me, I might say, well, the skeptic might say this. What would you say to that? You know, not to insult the person or be nasty because the truth is, and actually I was on Coast to Coast AM a couple of weeks ago with George Norrie, and we were talking about hosting something and whether you believe it or not. And George said, and I thought this was smart, uh, he said, it's not whether I believe, people ask me if I believe, it doesn't matter if I believe, it's if they believe. It's, it's really up to them. And similarly, I don't put it quite that way, but my feeling is, is that I definitely have my opinions about different things. And I've shared those from time to time. But that doesn't mean that I shouldn't present somebody who thinks the absolute opposite. Because, again, the idea is to put the information out there and let the the listener decide. For example, I've had Dr. Michael Shermer, you know, on the show, who is, other than James Randi, probably the foremost skeptic uh, that there is. And actually, he was very nice. Uh, I disagree with him, but he was very nice and he made his case and people could listen to it and understand. The interesting thing about him, and I'm guessing you guys may have seen this, that uh, a year or two ago, he published in Scientific American the details of his own paranormal experience. And you could tell at the end he was kind of struggling with how to end it because he's kind of like, well, the only conclusion I came to, and I'm paraphrasing from memory, so I hope I'm not misquoting you, Dr. Shermer, but something like, well, of course, the only explanation for this is that's paranormal. But then again, it can't be paranormal. You know, are you familiar with the one I'm talking about with at his wedding and the radio? Are you familiar with the story? I actually haven't seen the article, so no. Look up know. Dr. Michael Shermer, Scientific American, I thought was one of the neatest things. Because the question I asked him, is I, and I said, you know, and, and this is not really including my campfire stories, but in general, uh, you know, I might be skeptical of over 90% of specific claims, you know, particularly things like UFOs these days. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. UFOs could be drones. It could be planes. Uh, I tend mm-hmm. to pull a lot of stock into the reports from pilots and people who, like, know what these things look like, you know. Those right. are the ones that really fascinate me. So, uh, and in fact, I was doing a video show uh, with clips for years and largely stopped doing it because the clips are so poor now. And could be drones, could be anything. It's kind of like, what is the point of this? Right. But anyway, the, the, the point is, <clears throat> what I said to him is, you know, we could agree in 97% of the cases maybe that there's an explanation or somebody is good natured and just mistaken. Or maybe somebody wants to think that it's Aunt Millie. Or maybe unfortunately there are a few of those hoaxers out there. We know they're there. We hate to say it, but, but does exist. However, mm-hmm. what about the few percent that I can't explain? You can't explain? Science can't explain. And he said, oh, we know about that, but we just put those up on the shelf. And I kind of thought, whoa, 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 wait, wait a minute. Hold up here. You're telling me there's a small percentage you can't explain, 
but you just put them on a shelf. And he's like, yes. <laughs> and it's like, no, let's take those off the shelf. Look, let's look at those cases. <laughs> so uh, that was fun. Uh, you know what's interesting? Before we go to our next break here, uh, I, w- I wish somebody could tell me, when it comes to these the newer uh, UFO videos and photos that come out, uh, over the last few weeks and months, why is it that even though technology, video technology and photo technology is getting better, these UFO photos and videos are getting worse and worse. They're so gritty. Yeah. Well, you got to remember like, when people are shooting with like, okay, I have in my hand the new iPhone 7 Plus, which has probably the best camera on a smartphone. It's still not going to be very good at nighttime video photography. Even the good ones, aren't that good at it, something like that. They're great if you have a lot of sunlight and, you know, those kind of things. And even with the vaunted iPhone 7 Plus camera, it has a 2X optical zoom, which is not that great. Now, if somebody had video, you know, Mark V DSLRs and were out taking pictures, but the average person's taking pictures is using a relatively low-quality camera, even if they're high-quality for snapshots and things, for hardcore Video shooting, you know, nighttime is hard to shoot. And, uh, you need, you know, when you see like, uh, you watch a football game and you see like a picture of the moon or something, probably using a camera with a $30,000 lens on it. So I think that's the problem. Right. And plus people don't know how to shoot. You know, my wife, I'm arguing with her all the time, hold the phone in landscape, hold the phone in landscape. <laughs> no, you don't hold it that way. It's like, no, I went to school for this. Hold it in landscape. <laughs> oh, Unfortunately, man. that argument will never be won. I no, I just, it uh, drives me nuts. Uh, all right folks we're going to go to our second and last break of the evening we are talking to jim harold who wrote the book true ghost stories jim harold's campfire five we will be right back after justin's paranormal headlines and now paratruth radio's paranormal headlines How's it going, para fans? Justin here with your paranormal headlines, and these headlines are from alteredimensions.net. Video from Thailand captures dark apparition exiting woman's body just moments after death. Video captured an inexplicably ghostly apparition in Lotburi, Thailand, following a traffic accident involving a passenger vehicle striking a motorcycle carrying two people. A woman on the motorbike was knocked off of the bike when the automobile slammed into it, knocking her into a power pole. Sadly, the woman was killed instantly. A video of the aftermath shows the woman laying on the ground as a black orb visibly emerges from her chest. A passenger leaps from the car and runs toward the the ghostly figure, wildly waving his hands. The apparition hovers above the body for several seconds, then vanishes. Missing woman accidentally joins search party looking for herself. The story began on Saturday, August 25th, 2012, after a group that was traveling through Iceland on a tour bus stopped near a volcanic canyon for a quick view. When the bus reloaded, passengers reported one of the women, described as Asian about 5'2", wearing dark clothing, was missing. A search was mounted in the vicinity of Eldia Canyon, which continued throughout the weekend with no sign of the woman found. Then on August 26, 2012, authorities revealed the woman had been found noting oddly that she never realized she had been missing. 
It was first reported that the woman stepped off the bus and never returned. In fact, she had simply changed clothes before getting back on the bus, speaking little English. When she heard about the missing woman on the bus, she willingly joined the search party and set out with 50 others to find, well, herself. After about a day, just as the Coast Guard was readying to deploy a helicopter and expand the search, she realized that the missing woman's description eerily fit her own. When she began to suspect she very well could be the missing person everyone was looking for, she notified the police that she was safe and sound. The search was called off two hours later. And this has been Justin with your Paranormal Headlines. This was a segment of Paratruth Radio's Paranormal Headlines. What's up, folks? Welcome back to Paratruth Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. And we are talking to Jim Harold, the author of True Ghost Stories, Jim Harold's Campfire 5. Now, Jim, we are at the end of the show here, and so what we would like to do is give you another moment here to tell people where they can catch you, your shows, where they can find your book, and uh, put anything else out that you'd like to that you like that 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 that, that you like to give out. <laughs> I that 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 would definitely like to do that. Uh, well, thank you both for the opportunity to come on the show. I really appreciate it. Love talking with new people, both hosts and audiences. So thank you for that. They can find all of my podcasts at jimherald.com. That's j i m h a r o l d dot com. Also, I'm on iTunes. I'm on Spotify. I'm on iHeartRadio. Radio. I'm on Stitcher. I'm on Google Play and all of the various podcast apps out there. The two podcasts you'll look for are the Paranormal Podcast to Jim Harold's Camp. And you can find all of the books over at Amazon.com or the Amazon in your country. And it's simply True Ghost Stories, Jim Harold's Campfire. It should bring them all up. And uh, each book is a full-length book, over 200 pages. And uh, each one is only $2.99 on the Kindle. And uh, then we also have a paperback Dead Tree Edition if you're low-tech and want to have a physical copy. And you can start in any order. So you can start with book one and go through five, start five, go backwards. The important thing is not the order that you read them and buy them. The important thing is that you do buy them. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I would but I think I think they're a lot of fun. That, yeah. for, I think they're a lot of fun for Halloween, particularly if you're going to have parties and those kind of things. What I like is the idea. And people tell me that they've done this: is they get the book and they read one or two stories, and then somebody says, "Well, that reminds me of the story that I had." And then somebody else, and all of a sudden, you put the book down and you started a whole conversation. So I right. think it's a great conversation story for literally for campfires around this time of year and for Halloween. And that's when they should be like, "You should call Jim Harold." <laughs> Exactly. It's a virtuous circle. <laughs> All right, Jim, thank you so much for coming on. It's It's been a blast. I know that you got a really busy schedule, so we will let you go for now, and uh, maybe somewhere down the road we'll have you on again. Absolutely. Thank you, guys, and happy Halloween. Same to you. See ya. All right, folks, that was Jim Harold, and uh, he's got the Paranormal Podcast. He's got Jim Harold's Campfire Stories both our podcasts, and then he has his books, The True Ghost Stories, Jim Harold's Campfire 1 through 5. Uh, great guy. Uh, definitely had a good time talking to him. And 
what better way to talk to somebody than a fellow Clevelander? <laughs> <laughs> and what better way to initiate the Halloween season than to talk about some ghost stories? Right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so, yeah, if you guys love ghost stories, which I know a lot of our listeners do, check out True Ghost Stories, the entire series, not just his newest one, but all of them. He actually also has a adult coloring book, True Campfire Story coloring book out there as well. So I was like, gosh, I, I would love to buy it, but right now I'm shopping for cash. <laughs> but uh, it's awesome that uh, he came up with something for, for adults and I'm sure the kids will grab it and just start scribbling in it as well. But, yeah. um, so yeah, um, check out jimherald.com as well. That's where you'll find all of his stuff as well. And I'll post the link in the comments for you guys, uh, in the show notes rather. Uh, one thing that I wanted to touch base on, uh, before we head out was we had a comment on one of our YouTube videos. Uh, actually, the Zozo video. And this is from Sarah... Uh, I'm sorry if I mispronounce your last name, Sarah. Sarah Okoa? Achoa? I'm sorry. Uh, do you guys think that Jimmy Page of Led Zeppelin got Zozo, which was on their, their cover, from the Zozo Demon? What are your thoughts on that? Hmm. That's a good question. I don't know, you know? I mean, honestly, we could probably do some research and find out. Um, now, we know Zozo is an ancient term uh, that was representative of that particular demon. Uh, I don't recall, actually, the word Zozo coming up elsewhere, but... <clears throat> let's see. Well, it's... The way it's uh, spelled on the label was Z-O-S-O, not Z-O-Z-O. So 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 okay, so and you know we've had people tell us they uh, when we were coming out with that episode they were saying well yeah Zoso is on the Liz Alpelin album and it's connected to this it's connected to that is it truly or is it just what they believe you know I don't know uh, Zoso compared to Zozo. There is a little bit of a different spelling there, but it could be linked to the same thing as well. Um, well, according to and according to Urban Dictionary, and I'm just throwing this out there, uh, Zoso is not actually a word, but more so a symbol, and it's the original symbol that was used uh, by uh, Cardano in 1557, which he used as the magical sigil for Saturn, uh, which is the planet that rules Capricorn. Okay. Uh, Jimmy Page's sign. So, it's an occult symbol, the word Zozo. It's kind of similar to uh, the symbol Om in Hinduism. Uh, so, Om, as you know, we all know that Om isn't actually... Right. Is it, it isn't... It is a sound. It's a vibration that creates... According to Hinduism, it's the vibration that created everything. It's the, what created life and is, in essence, life itself. Uh, but the, it's actually a symbol. That om is actually a symbol, the word for the symbol, just as Zoso is, uh, a word for a symbol. So, who knows? I, I, I mean, with this, in this 
case, I would say that probably they're not the same thing by any means. Although, you know, we're talking about occult symbols and, you know. Right. I was going to say, could have magical could have signals. Zozo used Zoso as his symbol? Possibly. But uh, was that Jimmy Page's original thought when he chose that? I. I honestly don't think so. I, I honestly think that was just creative uh, thinking that he wanted to use that uh, over, I'm going, you know, I want to use this to summon this demon or whatever some people believe. Um, but is there a link? Possibly, I think. But I don't I don't think in Jimmy Page's particular case, he was using that to link to the Zozo demon. No, I think what he's doing is taking a word that represented his sign, Capricorn, and using it in that sense, you know. Uh, but again, you know, we, we don't know unless we were actually able to talk to Jimmy Page. So, so Jimmy Page, give us a call. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, folks, that is the end of the show today. Uh, as I said, loved talking to Jim Harold, awesome guy. Uh, next week, we're going to have another Jim on with us, hopefully. Uh, Jim McKinney from Paranormal Supernatural Activity Radio. And he's going to come on and talk to us about black-eyed children. Uh, we, I think we might have touched base on black-eyed children a little bit in a previous episode, but we're going to get a little more in-depth with it this time because uh, there are cases going on even you know to this day where black eyed children are showing up on people's doors as it's getting closer to the halloween that that scare factor even comes even further into effect and uh what better time to talk about this creepy stuff other than the month of halloween so we're going to talk about that mm-hmm. and our halloween episode we're actually going to have on somebody from the ohio state reformatory which most of you in the paranormal uh, interest know Ohio Reformatory is well known for uh, being haunted. You know, it was used in a couple of movies as well. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see the mindset of people that actually work there as to what's going on there. So um, anything that you have announcement-wise... Nothing so far. Uh, no, no, nothing so far. Uh, you know what? I will bring this up. This is just a little uh, a, a teaser. So you guys know that we've gone through a couple of different logos for Paratruth Radio. For those of you who have been around with us for the last uh, couple of years um, since Paratruth has begun. And so there is yet another logo in the works. And it's not particularly or strictly for Paratruth Radio itself, but it's a... Uh, a spin-off, if you will. It's not for radio, but it's for the production side of Parachute Radio. So it's, I think it's really cool. I'm actually about to show Justin this particular image of what I got so far. But, uh, soon enough, we're going to be revealing that to you guys, uh, and then probably end up getting t-shirts made up, hats, uh, and other accessories with the logos. So we will probably be putting those out for both, uh, giving them away for people who want to try to win some of these products, but we'll also be selling them as well for those of you who are pretty cool diehard fans. And if you're not diehard fans, that's okay. Just be fans and buy our stuff. Um, (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so I just wanted to throw that out. I gave you guys a little something to kind of look forward to besides just episodes. Uh, but yeah. Well, and I'll give you guys a know. hint. If you haven't seen the, uh, Paramixology videos, it's linked to that. So if you haven't watched the Paramixology <laughs> videos, which shame on you if you have not watched the Paramixology videos, uh, check those out and you'll see what we're talking about as far as the production company for, uh, more of the video and audio side of it. So check that out, uh, and, uh, yeah, check out all, uh, all of our pages, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Google Plus, as well as paratruthradio.com. And that is all. I heart. Oh, yeah. I heart radio. How can I forget I heart radio? <laughs> we celebrated so much about I, I don't know, radio. man. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, check all those out, guys. <laughs> uh, if you're on YouTube, make sure you subscribe so that way you're updated every week as to a new episode that is up and running. If you are on Spreaker or on iHeartRadio, make sure you follow us on those as well because it will update you when a new show is live and active. Um, so, yeah, folks, that is all we have for tonight. Until next week where you will see us same time, same channel. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. Peace. If you enjoyed this episode of Paratruth Radio and you would like to listen to it again, or are interested in listening to any of our past episodes, then you can listen to them on HD at our website, paratruthradio.com. And you can also find us at Stitcher, Blueberry, TuneIn, iTunes, Spreaker, and YouTube. And of course, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for brand new updates of our show every day. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, 
Please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.